This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI's senior writer, Al Castle. Back once again with my co-host, Brian Tellman. How's it going? Pretty good, Al. I'm enjoying the nice, beautiful weather here in the Northeast and um, happy to be doing this with you. Yeah, springtime, I feel like, is so short. You go from uh, the depths of winter, which honestly, I don't mind. I like it cold. Uh, And then you have like days like today. uh, And before you know it, it's just disgustingly scorching (laughs) hot, which it already was over the weekend. Uh, yeah. past weekend so i could deal with this but honestly like a degree warmer than it is right now and i start to get uncomfortable yeah i wish it would stay like right where it's at right now for a little bit longer but it, it goes from like 70 to 90 in like two weeks and then you're done uh but we've got a lot uh, to talk about uh, it is a busy season in in wrestling um with uh aew what you know what do you call a double nothing like their big show of the year i guess it is i mean i, I don't know that they've got one but but this is what kind of got everything started right there's all out right i mean i don't all know out, yeah yeah what, all, well all in was the first AEW event was Double or Nothing, right? Because All In right. came first, but was not actually AEW. And right. then the next year they did Double or Nothing. I guess it is Double or Nothing. Yeah, I, I think I would consider that their big show. Yeah. It's yeah. weird though, because in the the way that they are pushing it and treating it, though, it, it doesn't feel that way. It just right. feels like they're all equal, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk a bit about the lineup uh, coming up um, and also talk a bit about kind of the documentary craze. We just decided to do this before going on air, but um, it feels like every uh, week now uh, and a few times a week, we've got some new pro wrestling focused documentary on television um, and they run the gamut, I think, from from really good to really bad. Uh, we'll talk a bit about what we've seen and uh, what else is ahead. And maybe we could give some ideas of some subjects that would make for worthwhile documentaries. Um, uh, maybe give some people some ideas. Uh, and then after that, uh, speaking of uh, big shows, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah has got a really big show coming up uh, this weekend. It is their Misawa tribute. And uh, our editor, Kevin McElvaney, uh, sat down with um, one of the voices of Pro Wrestling Noah, Mark Pickering. And um, you're going to hear the audio from uh, their interview talking about uh, that show coming up this weekend and uh, kind of the state of affairs at Pro Wrestling Noah. So stay tuned for that. Uh, And uh, why don't you go and check out the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated? I think uh, since our last podcast, we've dropped another one. It is always uh, tough to keep track. What it is? It is the August uh, issue, and uh, it's a fun one. This is uh, kind of an interview special, and uh, the magazine is filled with interviews with some of the biggest names in wrestling. I teased uh, that my hot seat interview uh, was with one of the bigger names in the business, and indeed it is with the AEW World Heavyweight Champion and the Impact World Heavyweight Champion, Kenny Omega. I got to talk to him on the phone some weeks back, uh, really kind of long-form interview. It's inside the pages of this magazine. We'll bring the uh, audio to you or parts of the audio to you here in the coming weeks uh, on the podcast. But you'll definitely want to check this out. Um, Really goes in depth. Um, I don't know if I want to say he was ornery, but I definitely touched on some uh, subjects that um, 
I think might have annoyed him a little bit. Wow. Uh, not, not, not that he was hostile uh, to me uh, at all, uh, but but I think maybe some kind of sticking points, uh, certainly with how um, uh, his interaction uh, with fans, some of the criticism he's received over the last couple of years. You know, one of the things that uh, we've heard a lot uh, over the last couple of years is, you know, what happened to the Kenny Omega of old, the best bout machine, the guy who was having those five and six and seven star classics with um, Okada. And he talked a bit about uh, the reasons for, for some of that, whether it's overblown and maybe some physical reasons um, why he can't do what uh, he could do uh, once upon a time. Uh, so I think really eye-opening, a fun conversation. Um, you know, you could ask the guy a question and he could just talk for 30 minutes. So I didn't have to do a whole lot of heavy lifting uh, on this one. Uh, so you definitely want to check that out. On top of that, you got uh, interviews uh, in this magazine. You'll hear directly from Bobby Lashley, so another world champion. Um, I think uh, Reg uh, did that interview, uh, Leo Rush, uh, Maki Ito, and uh, a lot more. So another uh, packed issue. It is our 2021 Summer Special Collectors issue. And if you want to pick it up, go to pwi-online.com. Uh, you could download right away the digital edition and have it right now um, or order the print edition, have it uh, mailed to you. Uh, either way, the way to go is to uh, subscribe. You could save half off the cover price by subscribing. And again, the thing to do is go to pwi-online.com. I imagine the coming weeks, we're probably only a couple of weeks away from uh, start talking about the 500, right? Yeah, wow. Oh, my God. Time really flies. I, I guess yeah, you're right, because it's not it's not the October one, which I know we're working on right now, but I think it, it might be the one after that. Am I, am I right? Usually, yeah, yeah. So um, I think the one after this is the poll. And that's another reminder, folks. Go over to pwipoll.com. We, we had some fun on the last podcast uh, taking it ourselves, but take the PWI poll, be included in this year's PWI poll, uh, 50 questions on kind of the state of pro wrestling. And yeah, I feel like usually June or July, I guess June, we usually uh, meet to talk about the 500. So um, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and anyway, uh, you know, every issue uh, has got something to offer. So uh, don't miss any of them. Uh, also, pick up the Pro Wrestling Illustrated line of t-shirts um both at prowrestlingtees.com and then we've got some exclusive designs over at whatamaneuver.net father's day uh, right around the corner for the pro wrestling fan in your life uh, once you get them a subscription and a t-shirt uh that would i would love something like that if, if my wife happens to be uh, <laughs> listening to the podcast um what else send us an email here at uh pwi podcast at outlook.com and uh PWI at kappapublishing.com for anything uh, magazine related and follow us on social media at official PWI, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, oh, while you go, uh, while you're at uh, PWI-online.com, subscribe to the completely free PWI weekly uh, newsletter delivered to your inbox. A lot of fun features uh, put together by our editor. Uh, every week, so please do that. Uh, all right, let's talk uh, a couple things. You know, one little bit of, of house cleaning. I, I know uh, WrestleMania backlash way kind of in the rearview mirror uh, by now, so I don't I don't want to go over it. It wasn't kind of an earth shattering show anyway. It was a good enough show, but I did want to talk one thing with you uh, that, that I've kind of been it's been stirring up uh, for the last couple weeks, and that is the zombie match, the zombie lumberjack match, and and. <laughs> well, let me jump it up to you. Uh, what was your, your take on that? I don't want to make that much of it. You know, I, I'm not going to say this is what's ruining the wrestling business or anything, but I do have some thoughts on it. Uh, it brought down what was otherwise, I think, a, a pretty good show. 
but you know, we we sometimes talk about kind of the the Russell crap, you know, Hall of Fame kind of thing. Where does this rank uh, up there? Um, well, it, you know, it's weird. It's that dichotomy we talk about. If this was 20, 30 years ago, it would be way, way, way up there. But again, this is the kind of thing you go on Twitter and people are talking about it like it's, you know, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels or something. And uh, it's weird, even this. Uh, I would say the one thing I noticed was that um, unlike other things where we really felt out of touch, you and I, I feel like the majority of responses. Everybody hated it. Yeah. I, I don't think everyone hated it. I don't. But I just think the really? majority did. The majority did, for sure. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, you know, I, I resist the urge to just be that angry, you know, old school wrestling fan and be like, but they really make it so hard sometimes. They make it <laughs> so hard. Um, you know, it, look, it was, and, I, and I'm, I actually wrote about this in the next edition of my lockdown, uh, lock up rather, my, my lock up column for, for the next issue of PWI, the October one. I talk about it in a bigger perspective of, of the whole wrestle crap phenomenon, but but, you know, times have changed and, and I think they're trying to think outside the box and you have a whole generation of fans who grew up now with things like this. And it's totally, I think, way more acceptable to them. However, I mean, we have to acknowledge that the reason they did it is because it was supposed to be a tie in to right. Batista's movie, The Army of the Dead. But there's so many other ways they could have done this rather than something like this. I'll say what I've always said, which is my personal taste is I really, really enjoy suspending disbelief when I watch wrestling the same way as when I watch a movie or something like I really enjoy committing myself to it and things like this make it very hard for me to do that. So, but on the mm -hmm. other side of it, 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 if the, if the majority of fans, if fans love it and if it's something that people want to see, how could you not do it? But I think in this case, that does not seem to be, the case at all. Uh, it, it, it just was really, really painful, painful to watch for me, you know, and it's like, here we are, everybody loves to make fun of like, you know, Robocop, right? That's the one everyone yes. always This is what it reminded me of. Yeah. It's, that's the first thing I thought of. It's like, you know, everybody has this big ironic laugh. Oh, I can't believe they did that back then. Robocop. <laughs> and WWE will sometimes be the first ones on that bandwagon to make fun of things in their documentaries and stuff and like, Oh, could you believe it that they did mantor and all this? And then they'll do this with, without even batting an eye or like there's anything unusual about it that, the, and they took it to, they really took it to the limit where we're, we're, we're watching it going, okay, so I guess Miz and Morrison are, are dead. Like, were they, were they like <laughs> live? And even if they weren't, so the show's just going on and you know who I felt the worst for in all of this, Adnan Verk. That's who I felt the worst for. Adnan Verk, yeah. Because, yeah, talk about like trial by fire, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's like a serious, real, I'm sorry to use that term, but whatever you want to call it, sports broadcaster. And he's got to sit there and sell this with a straight face. And now we got the news today that he's gone from WWE. And really? I, That's me. Really? Wow. Goodness. Not, so he lasted yeah. all of what? Three weeks? Three weeks. And I almost wonder if this was part of why. If it was. It, yeah, I, I mean, it's so tough. I I, I thought that. I, I never watched it, but I happened to watch, like, um, the, the post game show. Uh, 
I don't know if this is unique to Peacock or they did this on WWE Network, but it's the same people who do um, The Bump, right? And right after the show, they had a recap. And it, it's kind of a sports center kind of approach to um, the show. So they, they break it down very seriously, you know, in the main event. Um, when they were talk- breaking down Cesaro and, and Roman Reigns, they, they dissected um, Cesaro having to work through an injured arm and uh, Roman Reigns looking as dominant uh, as ever. And then they get to this, and I felt for them, like, trying to take a serious kind of sports approach, talking about zombie uh, uh, lumberjacks. So uh, I, I really felt for them. But, but I, I, bring the, I brought this match up for, for a couple of reasons. One is, and you touched on it, is this whole issue of um, kind of sponsored content. And before this match even came into the ring, it was apparent from the, uh, the cold open uh, that we were getting a lot of that because this movie was all over the, the, the intro package. Um, they just kind of interspliced different scenes from the movie uh, and I guess the word is they got a seven-figure uh, uh, a payout from um, the studio yes. for doing it. Um, but and, and as you touched on, whether it was Robocop, whether it was uh, Chucky cutting a promo on uh, Rick Steiner on, on Nitro many years ago, it, it's not the first time that, that we've seen this pro wrestling. Uh, do, do you have a problem with it uh, right off the bat? Do you think there is a, to, a way to, to make this work? Didn't like... Um, like a Snickers bar or somebody like win the 24 seven championship or a while back. No, it was like the old spice guy, right? He won yeah, the, the old spice uh, so guy. We've seen yeah. Who's actually, I believe that he, he is a wrestler if I'm not mistaken. I think he's like, he a looked, so, yeah. Guy, right? yeah. But I mean, what do you think there's a place for, for, you know, sponsored content inside WWE program or wrestling program in general? I think, you know, look at it this way. Uh, th- yes, there is a place for it, but not where they're putting it. Like here, here's the thing. Let's say that Army of the Dead sponsored the World Series. Are they going to put zombies in the outfield? No, they're not. <laughs> it's my right? movie, Zombies in the Outfield. <laughs> zombie, right. That's the sequel to Angels in the Outfield. Right? That's the flip side. No, but they wouldn't do that. They would shoot that idea down pretty damn quickly. Right. And they would go, hey, no, you know what? We'll like have like graphics. We'll have like a, maybe a contest. We'll have, I mean, hell, they could even have the announcers, you know, dressed like zombies as a gag, whatever, but not nothing to damage the integrity of their product. And that's yeah. what WWE did by doing this. If I'm being very blunt, it's like they allowed the sponsorship to damage the integrity of their product. And yes, I do believe that the wrestling product has integrity. I'm sorry if that seems old fashioned, but I do. And yeah. uh, they didn't have to take that route. It's not like their hand was forced. I, I mean, I would love to know. I don't know for a fact. I would love to know if, you know, the studio, I, I don't know, that produced the movie, whoever it is that paid them, dictated this specifically to them. Or if the studio just said, we want you to do something. We trust you to do the right thing. Do what you feel is right. You know, if the studio forced them to do exactly this, that then that's a problem that's out of their hands because because that kind of money is hard to turn down. I, I understand that. Yeah. But, but I don't know if they just said, you know what, we'll leave it up to you. We just want to approve it. I do think it's hilarious that Batista, <laughs> Batista kind I was of. Say, there was one, yeah, there was one really obvious way to uh, uh, have some sponsored content and, and uh, inside WWE programming. That's do something with Batista, even if it was. Right. Uh, you know, the old satellite interview um, that 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 would have actually been some bonus uh, content for for viewers and and yeah. The other thing, another thing, it made me think of was when they had Leslie Nielsen show up at SummerSlam, right? Right. When, 
he was looking, yeah, he was yeah. in character as, as Frank Drebin, and he's looking for I the didn't hate that. No, I didn't either. I mean, I, I thought I could have, I didn't need it. But the thing is, it didn't interfere with the match. It yeah. was like on the periphery. You, if you cut it out of the show completely, it wouldn't have even made a difference at all on the show. It was way more acceptable. This was like front and center, and it mm-hmm. didn't need to be. And like I said, I think Batista caught a little flack because he had tweeted. He was trying to be all cute. Yeah. He, he tweeted the day before, you know, I can't make it to Backlash, but some of my friends are coming. And then he had people on Twitter calling him out and saying, Dave, why did you do this? Please. This was horrible. And and then he started backpedaling and he started going, listen, blame Vince McMahon. You know, I didn't book zombies. It's not my fault. Blame Vince McMahon. <laughs> so like he wanted to have it both ways. You know, he wanted to be cute about it. And then when it backfired, he wanted to disavow himself from it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go one further. And, and this is why it, uh, I originally brought this up. I think you could do a uh, lumberjack zombie match with our truth versus Akira Tozawa or something and and yeah. stick in the middle of the show and have it go five minutes and pure comedy. What blew my mind about this was that um, it was uh, the Miz Damian Priest uh, match because uh, go back to WrestleMania and the Bad Bunny match, which was one of um, the, the the most important matches, really one of the, the, the featured attractions on WrestleMania and hugely successful. Right. I mean, more than anybody could have anticipated. Uh, and as is usually the case in uh, celebrity matches, uh, and certainly tag team matches, the the point of it is to have the celebrity give um, some rub to the other participants in the match. Right. In in this case, uh, I would say specifically Damien Priest, because the other guys were kind of made already, right? Damien Priest was the new guy on the scene who they had high hopes for, um, who has a big upside, who also is a little long in the tooth, so you don't want to you know wait too long to really get him up and going. So I, I, I certainly can't, and I think we talked about this um, in when we talked about WrestleMania the, the night uh, of the show. Uh, I think there was an assumption that the the next chapter in this story is continuing this program with Damien Priest and uh, using uh, this whole program as a vehicle to kind of establish him and move him up uh, to that next level. So it made all the sense in the world when they did Miz and and Damien Priest uh, at Backlash. And, you know, he's on that trajectory. And then you go and do this with it. I mean, what you talk about squandering, what did they, if you tied this back to bringing Bad Bunny uh, on programming for the first time uh, back at the Royal Rumble and having him w- with Damien Priest and who knows how much money they spent on, on Bad Bunny um, for all those months and his involvement. And again, if if what was in it for WWE, there are lots of things in it for WWE, but but certainly one of the things that should have been in it for was y- using him to create a star and to to do all that to squander that uh, opportunity on a dopey. Uh, a movie promotion tie-in uh, just seemed so asinine. I mean, if if go ahead and do your lumberjack zombie match, but don't do it uh, when you're trying to get this guy over because uh, it killed him dead. You know, let's not forget. I feel like they lost whatever momentum um, they had for for Damian Priest uh, oh, yeah. doing that. Yeah, and let's not forget too, the the Miz was just the world champion like a month yeah. ago. There was talk of him potentially going into WrestleMania as the world champion. And and now he's doing this where he has to pretend that he's like fighting zombies and all this crazy stuff. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, that that's the long and short of it. Like I said, I try not to be the cranky old guy, but boy, <laughs> do they make it hard sometimes. They make it yeah. hard. Yeah, about the uh, zombie lumberjack match uh, for this long. Uh, so a uh, quick let's talk about uh, uh, Double or Nothing uh, this weekend. One of one of, if not the uh, signature show for for AEW. But as uh, I think you touched on, it doesn't feel that way. Um, you know, if, if I had to give a a grade to sort of the build up to this pay per view. <sighs> I, I'd say, well, I don't know, maybe it's a C plus. I'd say it's probably the weakest build to any show uh, they've had. It it feels uh, kind of like, and, and you see this out of WWE uh, often, uh, the show kind of snuck up on them and uh, they need a card. So, you know, what pieces could we put in place? You know, uh, having Kenny Omega in this three-way, which in and of itself is not something you see a lot out of AEW with Orange Cassidy uh, and Pac, again, feels kind of thrown together. You know, I think there's expectation that they'll, they could have a really good uh, a match. Uh, but if you had told me that in 2021, Orange Cassidy was going to get uh, to challenge for the world championship on pay-per-view in AEW, uh, I would have thought it would be a lot bigger deal than, than this. So it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of momentum there. Maybe part of it is um, all the kind of different directions that Kenny is pulled in with his work and impact. It, it feels like he's missing a little bit of focus uh, on the AEW um, or product. So uh, why don't we start there with, with this main event? What do you think of, of the build? Is there a chance that either Pac or um, Orange actually gets the title at the show? Well, I think the the, the main reason that Pac is there, in in my view, is... I still think that they're a little jittery about, you know, a pay-per-view main event world title match with Orange Cassidy as the challenger. I, I think they're a little concerned about like that kind of a match main eventing a big show like that. Um, I don't think they need to be honestly, but I think they are a, a little bit nervous. And so you got Pac in there, who's definitely more of like a kind of traditional straight ahead performer who can help maybe in their minds, at least keep things on track a little more. Ironically, though, I think of the two challengers, uh, much more likely that Orange Cassidy is going to wind up winning it somehow, in my mind, than Pac. I, I literally think Pac is just there to sort of make it look more like a real match, to be to be yeah. like totally straight ahead with it. I I don't uh, – oh, I, I hate doing predictions. I really do. But I don't see Kenny Omega losing this title here. I, I just think like he's on too much of a roll right now. And I, as as a heel, as this kind of like almost like modern day Ric Flair, dare I say it? I mean, Jim Cornette's head's going to explode. But um, <laughs> I I think that I think you kind of there's a time and a place to to sort of uh, have him drop it and maybe get it back at some point. I don't know if this is it. I just don't know. Um, yeah, definitely doesn't yeah. feel like it. Yeah. No. No. I, I I'm way more. I mean, not to switch to a different match right away, but like. The match I'm most psyched about on the card is Young Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston. Is that right? Do, do you think um, uh, there's a chance there of, of a title change? I don't. I don't. Yes, I do. You do? Okay. Yeah. I could yeah. see. I could see like a super team, like babyface world tag team champ thing going on. I could definitely see that happening. Well, I think Moxley is still so uh, big a part of their singles division. Essentially, their top babyface. Uh, but you know what? They did that with Omega for a long time, too, with Paige. So they, they really 
maybe it's the the WWE fan in me sort of thinking of uh, the tag team division being less than um, the main event, uh, but but clearly AEW uh, doesn't see it that way, and uh, we've talked about, talked a lot about it when we were doing the tag team uh, 50 issue last year. Uh, there really is some parity in the tag team division between tag team division and their singles division. Uh, so you, you could essentially be a main eventer holding that title. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I, I, I like the chemistry between uh, Moxley uh, and Kingston, uh, even if it kind of was born out of a mess at, in the, uh, the exploding <laughs> ring. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I love the bucks as, as heels. I don't know if I love the bucks as baby faces or heels. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the match that, that, uh, I'm uh, most looking forward to is uh, Hikaru Shida and, and Britt Baker. Uh, you know, th- there, there's been a lot of criticism about their women's division, and it feels like since AEW uh, began, they've been trying to create that female star and have always kind of fallen short. And um, it, it is, you know, you, you've had women who are super athletic, you've had women who've had some charisma. Um, it feels like they've never been able to put it all together in um, into one package. And Britt Baker might be uh, that person. I mean, she is a star. Yes. Uh, and her work has come uh, really come around a lot in, in the last few months. So um, I, I would expect, and I think it's the time to, to coronate her. I mean, I, I, I think she'd make a heck of a champion over there. I think so, too. And I think that, yeah, I love the whole, like, Britt Baker, Tony Schiavone thing. Like, I don't yeah. I don't really even know what it's supposed to be, but I love it. It's just so different and interesting. You have like this completely likable, you know, very like white bread, kind of like babyface announcer. Like he's like, at this point, he's like a nice grandpa and he's hanging out with this awful, like heinous heel and they <laughs> yeah. totally get along with there, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah, just, it's just I don't feel like you should become yeah. a manager or something. I don't know. But, but, but yeah, yeah I, I think that'll be a great match. Um, that, but uh, to talk about the Bucks thing though, really quickly, just, just to get back to it, I, uh, one problem I do have is in general with tag team matches in AEW. And I tweeted something about this a few days ago, which is that they're very hard for me to watch. And, and I think a lot of, I, I always get a lot of agreement when I post that opinion because it's like there's no semblance of any kind of rules. And look, I know it's pro wrestling and the rules aren't real, but you have to at least pretend they are. Even if they're only there just to be broken, it kind of means like it, it, it kind of leads to just you never know who's legal. The referee isn't doing anything to control it. Everybody's all in the ring at the same time. You never know like who's supposed to be there, who's not. No one's ever standing in their corner when they're not like in the match. They're just running around the ring all the time. It just feels like madness to me, and, and and I have a lot of trouble getting through. The it's the it's the my least favorite thing. Even though I'm looking forward to that match the most because of the personalities involved, my least favorite thing about AEW programming is the tag team matches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, elsewhere on the card, they have a great division, great tag team division, but the matches are just are just nuts, and not in a good way, nuts. I agree. At, at, at least here on this card. Well, let me look at it. Um, actually, are you? Uh, I, I remember. I don't know if it was our last paper one before that. There were so many of these tag team matches, and there was kind of a sameness to them. Uh, so it it looks like there's fewer than usual uh, here. Even though you've got the uh, stadium t- stampede, but that's not really a traditional tag team match. 
and you've got uh, Sting and Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I'm going to – maybe they've said this already, uh, but but with Sting in there, is this going to be another, uh, like, cinematic match? No, they, they actually said specifically it's not going to be. It's really? going to be so an Sting's going to be match. in there. Yeah. Oh, they said that because they pointed out – they didn't mention, you know, uh, um, uh, Seth Rollins by name, of course, but they pointed out that this would be Sting's first, you know, actual in-ring match in whatever long it's been, like five years, however long ago that yeah, was. Be yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see how much he um, is actually involved. Um, I, I mentioned the stadium uh, stampede match. Uh, you know, this was kind of the centerpiece of, of last year's uh, Double or Nothing. Uh, it, it feels a little backwards that they they did the War Games match on free TV a few weeks ago and then are, are moving over. Uh, to this, maybe a little kind of anticlimactic. Um, so I'm I'm not sure what to make of it. You know, I, I didn't love the the Stampede match yeah. uh, last year. This is when they were still kind of on the the whole cinematic uh, a kick, and this one, a lot of comedy um, of last year. I mean, a lot of creativity, but it was a bit much for my taste. Uh, it, it made sense at the time because. They needed to be innovative because they were playing in front of empty arenas. Uh, so, you know, that was a kind of a special place in time. This they're they're selling the place out for this show, right? I mean, this is going to be a yeah. full capacity. I understand full it. Capacity. So, it it seems odd that they would uh, go with this. Um, and what else we have? We have Cody Rhodes and, and Anthony uh, Agogo. You know, we've talked about it. It feels like Cody Rhodes just kind of gets off on on having like these really compelling matches uh with unlikely challengers and um he's really gonna have to be on his game uh because ogogo is such kind of an unknown uh quantity uh but but definitely has some star power just from looking at the guy so uh, i'm interested in seeing this one so that's the lineup and there's other stuff you got hangman page and brian cage uh, uh miro versus lance archer for the uh, tnt championship and um some other stuff you know it, it's not a blow-away card, uh, but the the one thing um, that's great about AEW pay-per-views are that they're, they're few and far between, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like the old WWE Big Four, and so you, you really do get jazzed up for each one. Yeah, although I wish they would have stuck to the Saturday nights, because that was a welcome change, Saturday night pay-per-view. Instead yeah, of absolutely. Is this Sunday night? Yeah, it's it's Sunday night. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Well, but you got Monday <laughs> off, so uh, yeah, with Memorial Day, so it won't be that bad. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, documentaries. Um, there's been so many of them. I have not seen the Ultimate Warrior uh, uh, biography yet. I think I've got it on the uh, the DVR, but I haven't seen it. Certainly curious to see it. And I think Dark Side of the Ring this week is also about the Ultimate Warrior. So maybe we'll yeah. talk about that on, on the next episode. Uh, but you know, first of all, uh, uh, what does it say to you that this is even happening? I mean, Dark Side of the Ring now on its third season, I believe it's like the highest rated show uh, on Vice. And now um, is it A&E, right? Where do they do uh, a biography? They've kind of uh, gotten on board now. Every week is just like wrestling week. And, and, and I don't know. Uh, I imagine that this is going to come to an end, but it's been like a month now that they've committed to these wrestler uh, bios, he did uh, Macho Man, Piper, uh, Shawn Michaels. Who am Austin. I missing? Austin. Austin, yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought Austin was the best of those. Uh, did you agree? Uh, I thought I liked the Piper one the best. The Piper yeah. one. But I think we can all agree that the Macho Man one was a deplorable hit job that they should be ashamed of, to be honest. Really? 
Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think there's definitely an issue of tone from, and I think that's the, the problem I've had with the the A and E ones, and it's a product I imagine of them working closely with WWE, which is a mixed bag. On one hand, you're going to have access, you're going to be able to do these in a way that you might not be able to do them because you're going to have access to WWE stars and footage and that kind of thing. But um, clearly, WWE is having a lot of influence uh, on the tone of these biographies for the better or for the worse. Uh, so in some cases, I think you've seen them. I haven't seen the Ultimate Warrior one uh, yet, so I, I probably should say nothing about it. But uh, as I've heard, there might have been a little bit of whitewashing going on uh, there. Um, and then on the flip side, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know that that I I thought um, it was as much a hit job as, as you seem to on, on Macho Man. I thought they were blatantly honest about some stuff. What, what rubbed you uh, wrong in particular? Here's the thing. Here's what rubbed. I mean, Dark Side of the Ring is the one, I mean, that is obviously more kind of like journalistic. They get into the the good, the bad, the ugly. They don't try to gloss over things. They do sometimes, but they don't do it in kind of a political way that these A&E WWE ones do. So like with the A&E ones, I understand there's going to be a little bit of kind of like fluffiness to them. That's fine. A little bit of PR and you have the involvement of the people like Booker T and Steve Austin and, you know, the living ones like they're Shawn Michaels, but the Macho Man one, I feel like, especially in the second hour of it, once they left the WWE stuff, they went out of their way to bury that man, talking about the worst aspects of what he got into. And here's the thing. Yes, okay, probably all true. But they could have done the same type of thing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's enough there, believe me. With Roddy Piper, it would have been even worse than the Piper one. Than, I'm sorry, than the than the Savage one. If they had wanted to, they chose not to. That was a choice, and I think they came after Savage on purpose and they buried him, and it left a very bad taste in my mouth. And one of the things that was a giveaway to me, this is just me personally. You know, I, I'm I'm friends online, social media, and occasionally I will talk to Lanny Poffo, Savage's brother. Lanny Poffo was involved with the making of that. We saw him on it. He's interviewed in it. Lanny Poffo did not mention one thing about it anywhere on his social media to check it out, to watch it, that he was a part of it, that he was happy with it. So clearly he did not want to say anything about it. And there's got to be a reason for that. Now, that said, the dark side of the ring stuff, that's more kind of like what they do. And I get it. Like, for example, I haven't seen the Warrior A&E one yet either, but I think we can all anticipate that the Dark Side of the Ring one is going to be a little bit different, yeah. uh, a little bit probably more honest. And we've also got Dana Warrior already coming out, because obviously she's seen it, already coming out and saying that the Dark Side of the Ring one is just filth and garbage and that no one should pay attention to it and all this stuff. So what a great advertisement for it. Yeah, right, right, I mean, right, right. Mike's have to be thrilled. Clearly, they're going to be more more honest on that one. I mean, because that's kind of what they do. I think all in all, you know, the A&E ones, they're they're entertaining. They're interesting. I enjoy them a lot. I, I loved I've loved them all, honestly, except for that Savage one. I thought I thought that the, the Piper one was great getting into all his history. But the dark side of the ring for me, those are on a whole other level in terms of like quality of production 
and how they're put together and the seriousness of what they're trying to do. Like they're really trying to document wrestling history, warts and all. It doesn't feel like a PR product the way the A&E ones do as much as I still enjoy them. The, the dark side of the ring feels like not to get all pretentious, but it feels like a more important historical document to me. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think it's having that distance. It's, it's that it is sort of, um, unsanctioned, you know, for lack of a, a better word, a word, uh, they're, they're not working closely with, with their baby. So, uh, it, it feels like they can kind of, you know, pursue whatever revenues that they want. That said, I think this goes across, um, both of them. Uh, and, and I've certainly noticed it in, in some more than others, but there's definitely a lot of working going on. Right. Cool. And, uh, the, and, and, I think anybody dealing with wrestlers has to be sort of uh, a leery of that, especially wrestlers from a certain generation. And, and so many of these stories deal with wrestlers, uh, the stories from, from 20, 30 years ago. And um, it, it's funny to me seeing a wrestler go out there and tell a story that maybe is 10% true and uh, watching um, the, the vice people you know, do the whole dramatization and, uh, you know, with, 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 with the people, the blurry face. And it's like, it, I don't even think this happened. And, uh, uh for so, uh, there's a lot of that, I, you know, uh, one thing, and this is a, a minor example, but it cracked me up, you know, hearing, uh, Scorpio on, um, oh. the two code Scorpio talking on the, um, the, the one about the collision in Korea, which I, 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 you know, that one was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, uh, I, I didn't think, Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. Really, I thought I thought there was more there, and and uh, so much of it focused on this goofy fight between uh, Hawk and and Two Cold Scorpio. But literally, in in the course of one sentence, Scorpio went from performing in I think uh, in front of a hundred and and fifty nine thousand people to hundred and ninety nine thousand people uh, each ironic. night. He was he was criticizing Hulk Hogan. And he's doing exactly what Hogan does, you know, like exaggerating the numbers and everything like that. But no, I, I, I like the collision in Korea one. The thing with which is hilarious, if you're watching them in my house, like what you're talking about, how you have guys working like uh, my wife, you know, she kills me over this. But we're, we're sitting there and we'll watch them. I, I'll pause it and I'll be like, listen. This is BS, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> yeah, right. Explain yeah. Really or I will literally, there are points where I will yell at the screen. Someone will say something, and I'll go, you know, BS, or I won't say BS, but I'll say, you know, whatever. I'll yell at the screen like, not true. That never happened. You know, I do that yeah. regularly throughout the show. But but still, but they're still much, much closer to the mark than the A&E ones. For me, the one that I almost had to walk away from, it's the only one so far, and I think this is season three of Dark Side of the Ring, right? It's the only yeah. one that they've ever done where I've been like, why is this on my TV screen? And it was the Nick Gage one, I hate to say. Gotcha. We almost had to shut it off. I mean, uh, and not just but part of it was the gore. You know, obviously, we're sitting there. I'm going, how could they even put this on TV? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. This guy's almost bleeding to death on TV. But also just the anger rising up in me watching this i'm going this is the exact (laughs) opposite of what professional wrestling is supposed i would i i never curse in front of my kids i'm 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 really like i i'm so careful about that um and uh watching this uh i was dropping f-bombs in front of my kids because it was like oh come on and i'm with you 100 percent. and uh again and 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 I, i think we have to preface this 
with saying, um, I get there are people who like Nick Gage. Sure. Who, who, we ran who a like, one PWI on him a, a year or two ago. I mean, you know, there it is an audience. Yeah, who, who you, you know, th- that's um, uh, their thing. He's got his following. Great. If you, if you enjoy it, um, you enjoy it. You know, I, I, I'm certainly a believer, and, and we've talked about this, that if, if it works in wrestling, it works, right? And, and what it means to work is, um, does it draw? And, and the reality is, the kind of wrestling that that Nick Gage, um, uh, you know, competes in, uh, has never drawn. I shouldn't say never. Him particular. I mean, what, what's what, th- there's an audience for it. It is a limited audience. It it is um, it is not mainstream, uh, right? And uh, uh, beyond that, as I, I I think you touched on, you can make an argument that this just isn't pro wrestling, right? No. I mean, this, this is um, uh, it, it's awful. And, and yeah, I, I watched this. Uh, yeah, just angry, thinking this is everything that wrestling should not uh, be. And evidence of that is that look at this guy. I mean, he he. Uh, look, I, I I wish the best for him. It looks like he, you know, he's turned some stuff around for him, and and, and that's fantastic. But it it does feel a little bit like his influence in the business was overblown, uh, it, just in that they um, decided to pursue that as uh, one of the subjects. And, and I think one of the frustrating things is that it's such a great idea for a series, right? And they, they've hit a lot of home runs and they've hit a, you know, a few triples and, and doubles. And uh, now three seasons in, you, you see the lineup uh, of uh, for the year and you think, oh, that's going to be fantastic. You know, uh, Brian Pillman, right? Like, oh, it's going to be great. And it was great. I mean, I think it's been the best one yeah. Of uh, of this season or or Chris Benoit last year or Owen Hart uh, last year. These are all such kind of oh. obvious choices. But they only do, I don't know, maybe six of these um, per, per season. And when I see Nick Gage, I'm like, come on. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't uh, feel you, worthy. There, there, there wasn't something else. Right. It, it didn't feel worthy of this kind of treatment. It felt like it was elevating it way bigger than it needs to be. And, you know, it's such a tiny little subset and now it's, you know, it's put on the same level of all these other, you know, kind of major topics. And again, it's like you're glorifying this stuff. It's like, yeah, look, yeah. let's let's be honest. This is what happens when you've got people that are and it's shown in the, in the episode that are basically like kids who l- grow up watching wrestling. They love it. They have no actual connection to the industry or anybody in it. And they just go, hey, let's just go in our backyard and like hit each other with light bulbs like this is what it leads to in the end and hey you know what if you're doing that stuff and you're making like stone cold steve austin and the rock money you're making like a million dollar wrestlemania main event payoff money in front of millions of people but no that's all right i could almost understand you're doing it in front of 80 people in some like auditorium somewhere you're probably getting like a hundred bucks it's you know it really gets to the point where you, you really feel like, and I, I don't use this term lightly, that they're, these the, these guys are just a bunch of marks. Agreed, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I, and they don't get it that that's not what this. Yeah, you know, I don't buy um, um, John Moxley for a second when he says, "Oh, I don't care about the money. I just do this for the passion and the love." He says. His, you know, palatial oh, estate. Yeah. You know? You're one of the highest yeah. paid wrestlers. While uh, Nick Gage is like in some garage uh, uh, somewhere, right. you know. Yeah, and yeah. Not yeah. only that, I mean, like Moxley got out of it. Like he started there 
and he right. got out of it. Like he got out. Like that's not where you want to be. You know what I mean? It just felt so so backwards to me. So I, I agree, and and I'll I'll say this much. I mean, one thing that was um, a little bit of a takeaway from that, and then then after I watched that, I, I watched another uh, interview that um, uh, Chris Van Fleet, who also does great interviews, did with Nick Age on uh, YouTube, and we got to know a little bit more about him. I mean, I I, I get that there what what the appeal is there, and um, to his credit, uh, he. Had, uh, uh, seem to have learned um, some of the fundamentals, and also in the last few years, seems to have gotten himself in, in halfway decent shape. Uh, but but you're right. You know, putting aside Nick Gage as as an individual uh, personality, uh, and and looking more at this brand uh, of wrestling, which really was what that documentary yes. uh, was about. Um, it, it's bankrupt. You know, it it. it um, I would love Jim Cornette to have been part of that <laughs> that episode, but but you know it, it was all born out of uh, ECW, right? And and I remember being a big ECW fan. I remember going to my first ECW show uh, back in 1995 in, in the Orange County Fairgrounds uh, upstate, and and bringing my iron to to give to Tommy Dream Dreamer to whack somebody, um, and it was uh, uh, innovative at the time, and it was different, and it was revolutionary, uh, and. It gave birth to uh, a lot of, you know, the the worst of that, you know, and at its core, there was some good wrestling in, in ECW. But I remember out of that going to some local indie shows right. where it was, you know, it was your, your next door neighbor who never did a, a push up or a sit up in his life. Um, just terrible shape, not trained at all, but willing to be hit with, um, you know, a light tube. Right. And, um, and and that's what what this was. It, it's awful, you know. If you're into it, good on you. But but the the fact is, you touched on that that basically the 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 audience for this is is very limited. And and now look, maybe they're profitable. You know, it looks like on on any given night they could get a few hundred people in into one of these shows, um, and maybe they turn a, a small profit. But but this is not. Big money, successful, uh, uh, drawing pro wrestling, and uh, yeah, I agree. I, I I I don't think it deserved the spotlight that it got, and and um, I, I wish it had gotten gone to one of hundreds of other subjects that would have been more worthy. Yeah, and look, I mean, ECW was like the Pan American Games compared to this stuff. I mean, ECW look, would be a great uh, would be yeah. a great subject. Oh yeah. God, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, they they sort of have like touched on it here and there in different episodes. Like they did the mass transit thing when they, when they right. covered new Jack and like they've done it. But I mean like ECW, uh, you know, it was, it was a professional group. I mean, it was, it was rough around the edges, but it was run by people that were in the business that knew the business. Most of the roster were seasoned professionals. There was also a lot of great wrestling. It wasn't just garbage stuff. Like it was, it was a well-rounded promotion it had its flaws, but yeah, it had a, in my view, it, it had a very negative effect in the long run on the industry, especially the indies, because then everybody started trying to copy, not just copy them, but go way beyond them. And he and Nick Gage even said it in the episode that ECW, that they were a bunch of, you know, whatever, like he was knocking them for not being strong enough to do the kind of stuff that he was doing, as if that's somehow a badge of honor, you know? Right. I mean, again, and, and I don't use the, the, the term much either, but but. As it did for you, the, the word that kept on coming to my mind watching this was Mark, right? I mean, seeing um, uh, Nick Gage perform in front of 
uh, whatever, a few hundred uh, fans in some field somewhere, um, right? And then cuts an artery and oh. starts gushing blood and needs to be like airlifted out of there. And he talks about how he wanted to go back out there. It misses the point of pro wrestling, you know, which is uh, you're not supposed to get hurt. You know, and and, and uh, but but yeah, like you said, like he, he wears like a badge of honor that um, and look clearly has has uh, paid a price for for that, uh, and it's a shame. I mean, I think uh, he's a tragic case, and and I didn't know a whole lot about him, and I certainly uh, uh, felt for the guy. You know, the story about his brother and his mother and, and all that. And uh, I wish nothing the best. Looks, looks, you know, one thing that I absolutely came away uh, from it with was here's a guy who, in his own way, is very, very passionate about uh, pro wrestling and committed. And uh, that's great. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that he needed this platform. Uh, and, and, you know, I mentioned ECW. And any other topics come to mind that you'd like to see Vice uh, tackle? Well, God, they've done so much. Uh, see, I feel like... For me, I understand where they're coming from because, like, when you see the ESPN sports documentaries or, or the HBO sports documentaries, they're aiming for kind of a younger viewer. And, and I feel like there's a lot of stories even from the earlier years of pro wrestling I'd love to see get into. Like, like there was a gigantic riot in Madison Square Garden uh, in right. the 50s that caused them to ban all children from the garden basically until the Hulk Hogan years. Like there was, you know, there, there was a, the, the, there's a famous picture of all the wrestlers, like in, in a lineup, you know, like at the, at the station house, mm -hmm. they brought them all in. Like, I would love to see something like that. It's like Antonino Rocca and Dick the Bruiser who got banned from the garden for life legitimately because of that. A story like that, I would love to see something, you know, done about that or like, God, there's like, there's so, there's things from that era. Like you hear about. You know, Buddy Rogers not wanting to drop the the NWA title, so they put him in the ring with Luthez, where he'd basically have no choice. Like he'd have to do it the easy way or the hard way, and that leads to the creation of the WWF, right? Because then Vince wa Vince Senior wants to keep the belt on Buddy Rogers, so he recognizes him as the WWF World Champion, which is you know something that he just made up off the top of his head, right? Like I'd love to see those kind of stories like go go back a little further there's enough people that are i know a lot of people aren't around anymore but there's enough people that are knowledgeable about that stuff and even some people believe it or not that are still around that would be able to talk about it so that's what i would love to see them do go back a little further you know what too i don't think have they done jerry lawler and andy kaufman i don't think so no they uh Actually, A&E uh, &E just kind of touched on it. And I don't know if you've seen these other uh, shows they do, the like the hidden treasure ones where they go out hunting for like artifacts. And yeah. uh, they, they delved into that in, in one of those episodes. But no, that'd be a good one. You know, yeah, I you know. Just thought about you, why they probably haven't done it. Uh, they have zero cooperation from the WWE, it, with the sole exception of Steve Austin. He was the only one. And you can't do that episode without Jerry Lawler. And, and Jerry Lawler, you know, works for Vince. So that Does might he be why they I have mean, is he still under contract? I guess well, he is. I mean, he's an on-air talent. He still does, yeah. like, the pre-shows and things. I'm thinking that's got to be – that's the only reason I could think of because that is tailor-made for them. Tailor-made. 
So, some of the more, you know, I, I think to the, the more obvious ones, but some of the most fun episodes they've done are, are ones that are, are less obvious. I loved the, um, the UWF one, the, the Herb Abrams uh, UWF one. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I really liked the Brawl for All one um, from, from last season uh, that dealt a lot with the Bart gun. That was a, a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's pro wrestling. It's, it's such a great um, uh, outlet for, for these kind of stories. You know, I think of it, whenever you have like a wrestler death, um, and, and some are kind of, I guess, more dramatic than others, but Yokozuna would be a, an interesting yeah. one. I mean, just documenting the guy basically eating himself to death. What about um, you talk about the ECW stuff? What would be interesting to document what would be the secret relationship that ECW had with the WWF? Yeah. And like around the, you know, you have Heyman like working his own guys and they don't even, you know, and the company goes out of business and they don't even know and they just see him on TV and on WWE TV. And there's the whole story of Tommy Dreamer where. He's gone on the record saying that he was going to go to the Astrodome and kill Paul Heyman. I mean, literally kill him. I mean, that would be a great story. I think there would be a really good uh, one to do. Um, And and I don't know what is left uh, for the rest of the season, so maybe some of these are already planned. They're Uh, doing a plane ride from uh, hell. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be a fun one to do about TNA, kind of the the rise and fall uh, of um, uh, TNA, documenting it from... Um, a Jared, you know, and, and, and I should mention real, real quick, not to sidetrack too much, but, but, um, following your interview with Jeff Jared, I've, I checked out his podcast. Fantastic. I mean, it, it might already be the, the best podcast, um, uh, on that series. Uh, and you could have predicted that because Jared is, uh, so honest and open and kind of likable and folksy. And what, what's so important with stuff like this is that he seems to have a pretty good memory uh, of stuff. So, uh, they've only done a few episodes, uh, it, it, and and all of them would be you know uh, a good material. He does one about you know the, the holdup where uh, he was leaving um, uh, his last night in WWF and he still had the IC belt and had to drop it to to China and the whole story of him holding up Vince McMahon for I think three hundred thousand uh, dollars that night. Um, but just documenting TNA, you know, him creating it kind of out of nothing with with his dad and. Um, all, all the, the the drama in those early years uh, was there somebody who was falsifying the figures and they they weren't making nearly as much money as they thought they would and then um, selling it to uh, uh, the Carter family the disaster of of the Carter years uh, in uh, running Impact and then all the way kind of transitioning to to Anthem I think would be uh, a fascinating uh, show so uh, there's tons of stuff you know I mean they. they and it's it's good to hear that the the show is doing well on Vice because it's um, you know fuel to to keep it going. So hopefully, um, you know, we get many many more seasons of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time. I mean, like it's weird because you think about it's not like wrestling is the hottest it's ever been right now. So it seems like a weird time for this to be happening. This almost feels like it it would have been happening like maybe you know twenty years ago. But I'm glad that it is because these are stories that wrestling fans you know, have talked about and debated and discussed for years and years. And and you never thought you'd see it treated like this, like taken so seriously and done so well on television like this. It's really, it's an amazing thing to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Gilbert, uh, that's too. Eddie Gilbert. I'd love to see. Oh his. yeah. Did they? Yeah. No, they didn't do Eddie Gilbert, but that would be a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Even something about, um, 
like dirt sheets, you know, would be real fun. You know, they, yeah. they've had Melter and, and uh, I guess Keller just did one, I think, for the next um, season. Uh, I forget what the oh, it's about the steroid trial, which that's okay. another great one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's um, amazing. It would be, got three seasons without doing that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, there are these huge ones that you're like, oh, of course. How did they not, not do that one? Um, I, I do think like the biggest and most obvious were, were Benoit and uh, and Owen. But there's always kind of at least one really, really juicy one uh, every season. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, all right. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for um, checking out uh, this episode. Uh, right now, let's go to Kevin McElvaney, our editor's interview with one of the voices of pro wrestling, Noah. They've got a big show coming up this weekend, uh, the Misawa Tribute Show. Here is Mark Pickering. All right. So I'm here with Mark Pickering from the uh, who you recently know, if you're a subscriber, uh, penned an article about KG Muto for us, uh, does a lot of work as a broadcast journalist, combat sports specifically, but most recently you may know him uh, from his work with the Cyberfight Network of Promotions, which is, of course, DDT, Pro Wrestling Noah, and Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, so, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So, uh, it's good to good to finally speak. I mean, we've only spoken digitally over DM, over emails. Yep. yep. Um, so, it's good to put a face to the name and the words. Yeah, um, likewise. So... I mean, might as well talk about this first because it's on. It's currently on newsstands, yep. uh, the June issue of PWI. So, you wrote this article about Keiji Muto's unlikely victory as the uh, the new GHC. Well, not so much new anymore, but when you wrote a GHC heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, now, effectively, this makes him the triple crown Japanese triple crown winner, having previously won the IWGP Championship and All Japan's Triple Crown Championship. Um, you actually spoke to him for this article. So, I mean, just talk a little bit about the, your experience sitting down with him after this historic win and, and how he felt about it. Yes, sure. So it was conducted via a translator from Noah's international department. But what I could tell from this interview, there was just a level of sincerity to Noah's words, how how much this really meant to him. Obviously, this is kind of crowning achievement of his career, all the success he's had for so many decades. But then finally to become the third man to hold the Triple Crown, to hold the IWGP and now the GHC heavyweight title. And again, it, this was something that he never expected, not at 58 years old. And you have to think now that he's a full-time member of the NOAA roster. Mm-hmm. And you mean this would be unthinkable in NOAA's early years, in the early 2000s, of course, when he was still involved with New Japan and All Japan. But he's very happy with the way things are going now. He's happy to be part of pro wrestling NOAA. He said that when he was in Wrestle 1, he believed in what they were doing. But the problem was that they didn't have these outlets, this international exposure. There was no Fight TV. There was no Abema behind things. So he feels now bringing himself into pro wrestling Noah with the international exposure, the national exposure, he feels it's a really good fit for him and a really good fit for Noah as well. So you mentioned these uh, outlets that didn't exist before. You have Fight TV, which where a lot of the individual events can be streamed and purchased. Uh, but also there's the Wrestle Universe service, which has the various promotions under the... And, and there are a couple others, I believe, as well, in addition. Yeah, some some independent shows. There's some Gamba Pro, and sometimes Onita has held some, some special shows which have been on there. But also there's archives, there's everything. It was originally a DDT-only service. Right. But then 
And Pro Wrestling Noah joined the Cyber Fight family. So Pro Wrestling Noah events are on there, along with Tokyo Joshi Pro then as well. Great. So how did you uh, begin working? I mean, obviously, you'd, you'd been involved in combat sports as a, as a journalist for many years. Yep. But how did you get involved with Cyber Fight and, and calling these events? You do the English language commentary for the, for these fight broadcasts and and uh, and some of the Cyber Fight stuff as well. How did that come up? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So in October, I came uh, to Japan in, in October, and I know that Stuart Fulton, my co-commentator, my colleague, the play-by-play for Pro Wrestling Noah, I know that he was looking for someone to work with him for Rise Kickboxing event in Japan, which Tenshin Nasukawa, the world-famous kickboxer who fought Floyd Mayweather a couple of years ago, uh, he's on that show, Rise Kickboxing. That was the the first one, first proper sports commentary I've done. That was in October, and that was carried domestically in Japan on Abima. Abima is the parent company with CyberFight who owns Pro Wrestling Noah. So mm-hmm. a member of staff from Abima, one of their executive producers, he listened to the broadcast and then he contacted me. He also contacted Stuart. He contacted us separately about whether he'd be interested in, in commentating on Pro Wrestling Noah. So six days later, then we was doing the, the first show in November, which was Nakajima and, and Go Shiozaki. So it was kind of a little bit right place, right time. Obviously, the... The things here with the border restrictions, there wasn't people that could really come into the country and travel back. So that that was part of it as well. So it it was based around really some people seeing my work on on kickboxing and some previous connections. They thought, right, okay, let's let's give this a try. They they had tried English commentary um, early earlier last year, I think, around the the N one uh, Victory League, the the tournament that they were doing. And this year, then, we, so we started in in November and it just started to, to grow gradually. It started with the fight TV and the way it's going now, they're looking to increase it and they put the English commentary on fight TV, but also on wrestle universe. And there's a real great deal of emphasis now going on international exposure, international coverage and things like the story in PWI. That's just a great bonus for them. It's really good exposure. So there's real big emphasis, real big push now on international coverage, international exposure and like, and I spoke to uh, Noah's executive producer Takeda for the for the interview. He was saying that as soon as things get back to normal post pandemic, then they will be looking to run events internationally and especially in America as well. So that's, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, so, longtime fans, especially of Ring of Honor, you know, yep. might uh, recall there was a strong relationship there and talent exchange. Yeah, that's right. Um, but for someone who maybe was following very closely back then. Uh, but hasn't watched as much in recent years either because, you know, maybe it was a lack of access. Maybe it was just uh, not understanding all this. I mean, it's pretty, if you pay attention, you can tell what the storylines are, whether there's English commentary or not. Um, But that's not to disparage anyone. just, you know, (laughs) Um, but someone who hasn't watched in, in, you know, 10 years, uh, what can they expect when they tune into a NOAA program now when they stream event. Yeah, there is an emphasis on a, on a sports product. It, it's not so much sports entertainment, but it, it's a sports product. And that, that's the way we describe it. That's how we bill it as the, as the tough sport. It's, it's uh, as elements of martial arts, of uh, real combat sports. And that's what we try to do in the commentary. We try to give it a degree of seriousness and then even more so then for the title matches. So I know in some of the feedback we receive, it's like it's an authentic sports presentation. You know, we, we very much try to give it a, a Japanese style in terms of commentary as well. We don't want to 
take uh, one is a heel commentator, one is a face commentator. We don't want to do that. We just want to focus what goes on in the ring and less shenanigans. It's really an authentic Japanese product, but we try to put an English voice to it um, to draw attention and really to try and tell a little bit about the stories going on in the ring. But also we, we try and give a lot of emphasis on, on the background of the wrestlers because we know all the time there's new fans getting to discover pro wrestling Noah. So we try to give a lot about background information, the things besides Keiji Muto, some of the wrestlers on the card you might be less familiar with. So it's trying to stay true to Noah's roots and the roots of Japanese wrestling, really. So there are a couple of uh, big events coming up. I, I guess maybe we can talk about these in order. Just, just yeah. the first one is the Masawa Tribute Show. Uh, which of course, I mean, longtime readers of PWI don't have to be told who Masala is, but yeah, you could if you could talk a little bit about this tribute show and uh, what's going, what fans can expect there. Yeah, so that will take place on Monday, thirty first of May. It's mm-hmm. the Mitsuhara Misawa Memorial Show. This is at Kuroken Hall, and this will be live on Fight TV, and it will also be on Wrestle Universe with English commentary. Mm-hmm. and Noah's completely stacked the card for this. There's four title matches. So there's a GHE junior tag team title match, which is Stinger against Harada and Ohara. There's a GHE tag team match, which is the Aggression versus Yone and Taniguchi. There's a GHE junior title, which is Atsushi Kotoge against Yuya Susumu. And then there's the GHE national, which is Takashi Sugera against Kazushi Sakuraba. And then the main event, which is a preview of the upcoming GHE title match between Muto and Marufuji, M's alliance will collide. It's Keiji Muto and Masata Tanaka versus Marufuji and Funaki. So I really know of trying to get as much interest, as much emphasis on this card as possible. Obviously, it's important you have to recognize and still use the, the name and draw on the legacy. Of course, Misawa is the founder of the company. Right. Tremendous history, one of the greatest all time, as everyone knows. So it's nice to pay homage to him at a certain point during the year still to connect newer fans, maybe with the legacy and some of the great moments from Misawa's career. But also I know internally that Noah, that the wrestlers, the staff, what they want to try and do is they want to showcase and celebrate and embrace Misawa's name, Misawa's legacy, but very much they want to introduce people to the 2021 version of pro wrestling Noah as well. I mean, that's a, that's a stacked card. So that's, so the the 31st, uh, I won't, I won't press you to, to say when it's airing as far as local time zones, because that's going to be all over the map for uh, anyone who may be tuning into this. It could be anywhere from six or seven hours difference to 15 or 16. Yeah. yeah local time. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be 6 PM on Monday. So you'll have to get Googling on that. And what's right. What's, right. Right. What's 6 PM Japan time in my time zone or something on Google. You'll have to hit up. Exactly. So, and, and I'll put a link uh, to okay. these events that we're discussing in the description yeah, of the podcast episodes. Cool. And, and I know if you go on Fight TV and you yeah. just look at the schedule there, you can find the show and obviously it'll give it to you in your local time zone as well. Also worth mentioning that these events, um, if someone is listening to this, you know, a few months hence, yeah. uh, they can go back and pull these events up on the yeah, absolutely. Service. Yeah. Yeah, or, sure, or even yeah, fight. Fight, do- fight doesn't take them down either. So yeah, that'll uh, be on demand anytime. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, Okay, so the the other event we would want to talk about here is coming up on June 6th, I believe, um, and that is the Cyber Fight Festival, which is sort of a showcase for the various Cyber Fight promotions. So could you talk a little bit about the card for that one? Yeah, sure. So this is something totally unique. It's never been done before. All the the companies under the Cyber Fight umbrella, Mm -hmm. so that's Pro Wrestling Noah, DDT, Tokyo Joshi, and Gamba Pro are coming together for a super event. 
This is going to be in Saitama Super Arena, one of the most famous venues in Japan. Of course, it held uh, tremendous events like Pride Fighting Championships and huge crowds. And this is actually going to be in the main arena as well. Previously, wow. DDT have done some smaller events in, in the smaller arena there where they host exhibitions. But this time around, they're absolutely going for it and they're going to try and see what they can do in, in the main arena. So really, this, this is... Um, this, this is a, a method, a, a way, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get Tokyo Joshi fans to be introduced to Pro Wrestling Noah, DDT fans to get introduced to Gamba Pro and vice versa. And they're trying to create an all-star show so with some dream matches. There's some fantastic tag matches, DDT versus Noah. And this is really, it's got all the hallmarks of being one of the, the shows of the year. There's 14 matches, all the big stars are there. And there's a, a triple main event as well. So the, the main titles in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, DDT and Pro Wrestling Noah will all be on the line. And that will be part of a, a triple main event. That's a huge show. Um, yeah. And for it to take place in that venue where you mentioned, you know, pride fights were held, things like that. Yeah. I mean, that really does underscore the, the sport nature yeah. of its product. Um, and I know a lot of longtime Pro Wrestling Illustrated readers do really appreciate that focus on sports. So if someone yeah. is, you know, maybe not as into the sports entertainment side of things and they're, they're still looking for that. I mean, there, there are some other promotions that offer it, but you know, perhaps none with the legacy and the, uh, I don't want to say continuity, but like the uh, <laughs> consistently delivering this type yeah. of product for, yeah, for that's what, inception. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that Keiji Muto and, and Namuchi Marafuji, they'll be in the, the main event that will top, top the card for the GHE heavyweight championship i know how excited they are being able to go to saitama super arena they've never been there before they've never wrestled there before and obviously for pro wrestling noah to be getting back into the the big stadiums they're in the nippon budokan in february so this is a tremendous opportunity for all the wrestlers on the card be it ddt to go to this fantastic stadium for tokyo joshi pro they've got three matches as well and they've got uh, the, the singles match between mio yamashita and uh, yuka sakazaki so really, yeah, it's a fantastic all-star card. And I think that everyone's going to enjoy the show, all the matches, whether you're Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling fan or DDT, there's something for everyone. Yeah, that, and there are some familiar faces here. I mean, you mentioned Ke Keiji Muto, but uh, I mean, also Mara Fuji is f very familiar to PWI readers. We haven't had uh, an interview with him as yet, but we've had, he certainly appeared in the magazine many times. He does well yeah. in the, the PWI 500 every year. Uh, just a huge part of the Pro Wrestling Noah uh, brand and promotion. Um, and then you mentioned the Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, the Princess of Princess Championship match. That's so, right. Yeah. Um, it's these are familiar faces as well. I, I, Yamashita has not maybe uh, not as familiar to American fans, but I mean, I can just say maybe one of the best kicks in professional wrestling right now. I mean, just absolutely, absolutely one of the best strikers in the game, hundred percent. And uh, Sakazaki is uh, is uh, familiar to uh, AEW. Yeah, AEW. So. Yeah, she had a number of matches there. I believe she has got a win of uh, Doctor Britt Baker as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so some familiar faces, some new faces. People will, uh, who are listening to this podcast would appreciate as fans of like the technical sport like approach in professional wrestling. So that so that's going to be, I mean, that's a huge show. Yeah, I think it's one of the one of the shows of the year. Not just at the card, but I know that when you bring in all these big companies together under the the cyber fight umbrella, they're going to put so much effort in, and they're really going to try and steal the the, the show for this year. They're going to look at uh, show of the year rights, hopefully, with this one. So for this, I mean, just as a not to put you on the spot, but as as a 
as a commentator, I mean, this is a, a big show with a lot, maybe more wrestlers appearing on the show or certainly uh, a diverse lineup. I mean, you, you've, you've called events for, for these various promotions, but you have, there's probably a slightly different mindset depending on the match. I mean, is this, uh, what are you doing to get ready for this? Is this just going back and like, are you, are you reviewing your own tapes? What are you, what are you doing for this? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, for, for the, the federations under the, the cyber fight group, I try to keep up to date as, as them as possible. Obviously I watch all the Noah shows when it's just a Japanese broadcast, like on the weekend, there, there was mm-hmm. a show on Saturday that was broadcast live on wrestle universe. So I make sure I keep up with everything Noah religiously. And right. then I, I follow Tokyo Joshi as well, because we've done a couple of Tokyo Joshi pro events, but then also it, it's, there's a connection there with DDT. So I, I keep a, keep a track on DDT as well uh, i have to admit i'm less familiar with gan gan pro but uh, I'd, I'd look at the results and things like that so sure. yeah it's just going through all the matches i know there's 14 matches there must be about 50 60 wrestlers on the card so it's just having the approach just breaking it down match by match who's involved look at the move set look at some recent results just have to be meticulously prepared i'm wondering how much how many pages i'm gonna have to print off in the convenience <laughs> or it could be it could be like a book by the time i get there i'm gonna have to Get my head around that. But yeah, the f- first things first, I have to do the, the this week's uh, show, the, the Missile Memorial, because obviously the results from that will play into Cyber yeah. Fight as well. So I'm, I'm just starting off slightly on both. But the, the main thing is just to keep up to date on what's been happening in these promotions recently. And mm-hmm. like in Tokyo Joshi Pro, Media Master won that title recently, and we was able to do English commentary for that. So it's just, just following what's been going on, staying on top of the recent results. And then there's various press conferences will be happening in the build-up and contract signings. So keeping an eye on them, some of the, the comments from the wrestlers as, as they move forward towards the show. So it, apart from these two events, so let's say someone signs up for a uh, for Wrestle Universe, they they watch these two events. Yeah. What else would you recommend? I mean, this is a loaded question because there's so many events. What else should a newer fan or somebody who's been less in touch with the product recently go back and check out in the archive? For pro wrestling, no, I, w- I would say to look out for Go Shiozaki's title matches from last year. I think that's one of the, one of the best reigns we've seen as, as a heavyweight champion in pro wrestling in years. I really do. I was lucky enough to be able to call a couple of those matches towards the end against Nakajima, against Segura, that they were back-to-back match of the year candidates on the turnaround of 13 days. And we know he was hurting as well. He was he was had some injuries at this right. time. He had all the, the taping on the shoulder, which seemed to increase with every match. So I, I really, that, that would be for, for pro wrestling. No, I would look out for Go Shiozaki. And at the moment, some of the, the big shows from recent years are actually available free on, on Wrestle Universe. So you can... You can go on and log on and check out some of the shows. And also on Pro Wrestling Noah's YouTube channel, they've made available some of our matches we've done in English commentary, um, some junior heavyweight matches, some singles matches from recent shows. So if you're looking for just a taste of things for free, then you can log on to Wrestle Universe and watch a couple of shows, or you can go on to YouTube and, and Pro Wrestling Noah's YouTube channel there. And then I'd say for other promotions, Tokyo Joshi, best to start with a recent show. And and when they're holding events, Tokyo Joshi Pro in Kurok and Hall, they've just been hitting a home run. Everything they do in Kurok and Hall this year has been fantastic. I think they've held three to four shows this year in Kurok and Hall. We've done commentary for two. That was in, in January and at the, the start of May. I think that that's a, that's a good place to start. And for DDT, if you're new to DDT, you have to maybe take your hat off for serious <laughs> wrestling as a, as a pro wrestling Noah 
fan, you know, it's a little bit different, but DDT is fun. You know, it's got something for everyone, whether you just want to relax, get lost in the moment and special gimmick matches, various things. If you're really looking to get into DDT, maybe you should check out some of the events in the swimming pools and the forests and all these very DDT-esque things and outside right. of arenas and, and, and so on. And some of the barbed wire explosion matches with Onita, but um, yeah. And also on, Wrestle Universe, they're working on um, a new video player, which is going to have a higher definition, better quality as well. That's coming out. That's actually going to start with the Misawa show on, on Monday, 31st of May as well. So they're constantly, constantly trying to improve on the quality and they're trying to make as well available the catalog, some of the older shows from Pro Wrestling Noah's early years from the 2000 when it started. So definitely keep your eye on Wrestle Universe and it's only 900 yen a month as well. One of the best value products in Pro Wrestling because of the amount of promotions available and it's live and it's on demand as well so to, to uh translate for the uh, american listeners in 900 mm. 900 yen is comfortably under ten dollars a month so yep that's the, right. a lot of value for for what you're signing up for but as yep. you mentioned i mean a lot of things on youtube that can be easily checked out and i believe uh, tokyo joshi has a weekly program that they've been putting up with single matches as well right yeah that, that, that that's right uh, they, they do a regular show now a regular english show 15 15 minutes or so, two English matches per week as they look into really increase things on the international front as well. And we've right. luckily been part of that. We've done two shows with the Tokyo Joshi Pro Kurokan Hall. So again, it, it's the same mentality as, as Pro Wrestling Nora. Really, they're trying to increase the availability and the English commentary and uh, hopefully it, it's working. Great. So uh, anything else to add that you would like to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Not just to encourage fans just to check out these uh, these promotions. If you're just looking to test the waters, just looking to take a look, then it, there's free shows available on Wrestle Universe, and there's tremendous amount of matches available on YouTube as well. So that's a good place to start. Great. And if uh, listeners wanted to follow along with you, how could they do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at underscore Mark Pickering. If anyone has any questions about how they can see the shows on which platform or whether they can watch in you know on demand any questions at all no problem and as well once things open up again once the borders open back up we absolutely looking forward to having international fans here of course especially from america and around the world it's such a big part of what we do in in, in japanese pro wrestling and i know they've been sorely missed as well so i know pro wrestling though is very keen to have not only international wrestlers back on the shows but also to have international fans here so if you have any questions about tickets and things when open when things open back up then don't hesitate to contact me no problem at all Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Mark. And of course, uh, everyone listening, be sure to check out the Misawa Tribute Show on the 31st of this month. And then June 6th, the Cyberfight Festival, both will be available on Fight TV and Wrestle Universe. That's great, Kevin. Thank you very much. And keep up all the great work you do with PWI. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. 